podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. And welcome to the very first edition of the Walking Reds podcast on the LFC Day Trippers channel. If you're a regular podcast listener in the LFC community, you might know us from, uh, we used to be AI Northern Ireland, we were also Copcast until last year. Um, it's the same group of people, as I say, just very kindly, the Day Trippers have offered us uh, to be on the channel, very kind of them, and, and we thank them. As well, for, for new listeners who are maybe used to the softer tones of Dublin, welcome to Belfast. You'll, I'm sure you'll get along, we apologise in advance. As I say, the same group of podcasters are here, and my panel tonight, first up uh, in Berlin, but a Belfast man, uh, is our chief, or Neil Patterson, he goes by either, uh, if you're not familiar with it. So, Chief, Neil, how's things? Yeah, Grandman, great to be back, and all good after four wins, first time since, what, 1990, so um, last time we won the league, so yeah, just great to be back, great to have another, to be back for the new season, have another pot on, and uh, can't wait to get stuck into it, really. I'll tell you what, Neil, you know, we, we haven't spoken in a while, I'll tell you, our fan base is a completely different place to where we kind of left it in our last pod, it's like the maddest transformation on earth. Yeah, well, it's just come with uh, with everything that's been good. Good season last season, the transfers right, and yeah, we just come together. I mean, everyone seems to be pulling in the right direction. Everyone's, you know, you can use any cliches you want about uh, everyone being uh, being together. So, I mean, that's great. That's great. Long may it continue. Yeah, well, it took long enough. And second up tonight in Belfast, as always, we have Dave Dunning. Dave, yourself. Again, joy to talk to you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Dave. Yes, I'm having a very nice last few weeks, so uh, I'm actually looking forward to the international break um, and to see what happens after the boys get a few more weeks with the, with the manager uninterrupted. Well, I have my own views on the international break, but we'll go there later. First up, I want to go start go through uh, the games. Very, very good start to the season. Neil, you know, we started off great win against uh, West Ham and then the performances have been while still very good a very different Liverpool than maybe what we saw at the end of the last season and you know like, like obviously we'll start off with West Ham and, and it sort of looked like oh here we go we're, we're, we're off and running again and you know if this is what we're like in the first day of the season what the hell are we going to be like after four or five games but there's a different type of pattern developing with this side you know obviously Navigate has made a huge difference to us you know we look different Joe Gomez we're going to talk about obviously his his the rise of Joe Gomez. He's who looks a beast at the minute. You know what? What have you made of 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 the start so far? You know, obviously we're delighted with the points and whatnot. You know, there's a few bits and pieces. Obviously, we'll come to about goalkeepers and things like that. But for for later, let, let's let's just talk about these games and, and, and what you felt. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a perfect start in terms of points. A close to perfect start in terms of goals conceded. Um, that's pretty the. You know, the, the biggest thing to take out of these 
first four games is is just how strong we've looked defensively, how in control of games we've actually been, despite you know appearances at times. You know, I'm, I'm referencing Leicester the weekend where there were, were periods where they seemed to be on top, and um, you know it, it looked a little hairy for Liverpool at times. But you know when when you actually looked at the the shots conceded and so on, um, the chances conceded. They were really, really limited. I mean, I think after, after Leicester scored, they had one shot in the whole, I think, what was it, 27 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. They had one shot and it was blocked. Uh, I got that from, from Andrew Beasley's article, uh, this morning. He did a, a really good piece about, uh, how Liverpool are just much, much harder to, to beat now because we just concede far, far fewer chances than we have done in previous years and that's been a been a steady improvement since Klopp's come in. Great. Being strong at the back is awesome. We haven't quite clicked yet up front. I probably will we'll go into more detail on. But we've done we've done enough. First game against West Ham, you've got to temper it by saying West Ham look pretty pretty dreadful at the moment. I mean well, we, did, we didn't players. know that day one though, Neil. You know, no, absolutely. And, and the money that the, oh. the outlay and transfers that they, they had put out um, you know, during the transfer window, you kind of expect a little bit more, and I think that's why that result felt so good. Oh, I was, it's a perfect start. I'm, I'm not in any way putting putting down the, the result in any way. Uh, you can only beat, as the cliche goes, what's, what's in front of you, and we started excellently. It was a good win at home, good to get the points on the board straight away. Uh, it goes for all of the no, Firmino didn't score, but, uh, Salah Mane both scored. I mean, that's another take, take away, I hate that phrase, but that's another thing to, to note in the first four games is Mane's form. Perhaps on his best game there. Brighton, he didn't have a great game, but I mean, he's still four goals in four games a month, uh, for August as well. So West, West Ham is great. What I mean by, uh, saying you might temper it by the, by the fact that what's come since is because they haven't, they haven't got a single point on the board. And, and they haven't really looked like winning any any of their games, so I think they are actually in trouble. And Pellegrini admitted as much at the in his press conference after their latest defeat at the weekend. But moving on from that, Palace is a really tough place to go. We we know that we we have sort of struggled there at times. I mean, although that was that was overblown as well a little bit, and is overblown in our minds because of a couple of particularly annoying results, particularly in the in the sort of poolist Pardew era there. We restricted them as well. I mean, they had very, very few chances, and we control the game. And you know, when Manchester United were 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 at their best uh, and winning everything, you know, that that kind of a performance where you just are in total control and you you score one early enough, and then you, you take another one right at the end uh, when the others are, are attacking. And that that was kind of classic. And you'd settle you'd settle for that all day. Brighton was. I thought we I thought we'd go on and do more after we got the first goal, but. Again, I think Brighton played really well, uh, and I think that was born out of the idea that they did, didn't want to get humped again. Uh, Hewton has had plenty of, of hidings from us, both with Norwich and, and with Brighton last season, and, and it's going to be pretty tight on goal difference down there. And Brighton, I mean, look, they look, they were good last year at home, and, and they struggled away from home, and they look like they're going to be a little bit tougher to play against on the road this year, and probably be absolutely fine. And that's the weekend, as we said, um, less tough, tough for a bit and, and you know there were periods where we didn't play that well Liverpool didn't play that well didn't have seen that that much control of the game but at the same time we we started really well we got the goal and we scored it we soaked up pressure we scored a vital 
time again just before half time. And second half, barring the Allison thing that um later, later. Touch on, <laughs> may not. But uh, barring that, you know, they Leicester Leicester wouldn't have wouldn't have come back into the game. We probably would have won the game to you know at least two 0 if not three, uh, as they pushed forward later on in the game. Almost absolutely perfect. The only slight blot is, is the goal conceded, but let's be fair. Four games played, one goal conceded, 12 points on the board, best start since 1990. What can you complain about? Well, oh, there's very little apart from the fact that there should be no goals conceded in reality, but we'll get to that. Dave, yourself, you know, I have a question for you. Neil's sort of broken down there. You know, obviously our, our, our front three isn't clicking, but it was certainly apparent during the Leicester game, uh, maybe less so, but, but on hindsight, I think Bobby Firmino is receiving a lot of attention at the minute. It seems to be that Premier League sides, Premier League managers are saying, stop Firmino, stop Liverpool. It used to be stop Coutinho, stop Liverpool. And, you know, Leicester did it pretty well, to be fair. I'm just wondering, is this maybe, you know, based off of what we've seen, in those games, is this extra attention that Bobby's getting the reason why we're are part of the reason a contributory factor to the fact that we're not maybe firing? Like, there's times we're playing delicious football. There's there's been one or two movements there that, uh, in the course of the season that have just been classic stuff. Like, but on the whole, we just seem a little bit disjointed. And I'm just wondering, is this extra attention Bobby's getting maybe a factor in it? Possibly. I think Brighton did the same thing. Palace tried it too, where they, they kind of suffocated him and. Didn't allow, didn't allow him to link with the other two. But at the same time, we didn't really click this time last year either. The difference is we're not conceding any goals this year. You know, we drew three each West or Wofford first game last year and we looked good, but we conceded three goals. This year against West Ham, we scored three goals, we scored four goals and we didn't concede any goals and we looked good. So that in itself, I think that I think the difference this year, I think the game after that, 1-0 at home against Palace. I think there was a one each with Burnley in there. We got hammered by City. Away to Newcastle, 1-1, I think. I think all in all, the first nine games, we dropped, we dropped 14 points and conceded 16, 17 goals or something like that. So a lot's been said about how, how managers now kind of, they set up the fitness element of the start of the season so that Teams will peak kind of into the new year. And I don't know if that's what we're seeing. Maybe there's a pattern there. I don't know. I suppose it's only two years. I, I don't know. I can't really remember what happened the year before that. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is he, he's just not quite right yet because he didn't have a great preseason. And, you know, he, he was at the World Cup, although he didn't play a lot of games, but he still came back late because... Dave, I think there's a bit of frustration there with Firmino as well, given the fact that Gabriel Jesus was pants during the World Cup and he, he just got to continue. You know, I, I think that that maybe psychologically has has affected Firmino in the short term, i.e. You know, start of the season. He'll need, he'll need a few games just to get his head back. Uh, fully into Liverpool again and I think that's sort of kind of fair comment on it I think that's a contributory factor and again double into it the fact that he's now receiving all this attention as I say this was attention this time last season that Phil Coutinho was receiving yeah to me to me he just looks frustrated at himself at the moment things that would normally come off for him just aren't quite coming off him and that doesn't happen with Firmino he kind of looks a bit shit if you know what I mean well I think the thing for me Dave the big thing for me 
is you rarely see Bobby go in for a ball and not come away with it. And we've been seeing a lot of the times now where he's he's not coming away with the ball. And that's got to be a frustration to him because it's, it's bread and butter to him. Yeah. Again, there's suggestions that, you know, the reason he's after having such a short preseason is because Klopp's going to be using this as almost an in-season, pre-season form to get him to that level of fitness that he needs to be. I don't know. I'm sure these, I'm sure these players are all managed individually, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, if that's the reason that he's playing, then, then so be it. But, you know, in saying that, if it is the fact that they think they're being clever and going to start and, you know, starve the other two with, with, um, boxing Firmino off, then that's grand. But if Manny continues playing the way he is, they're going to have to start thinking about doing something about him too. And when Salah gets his form back and, starts maybe making some better decisions because, uh, to be honest, I, I think we can say he's been poor, but I think his decision-making has been equally poor. Um, I think he's just been the same as the start of last season, personally. You know, he didn't set the world on fire, uh, you know, in the first, first four games last season either. And, you know, he's had that injury. Obviously, it's played in his mind. Well, not, uh, don't get me wrong, Dave. The, the two of them will bounce back. There's no two ways. It's a case of, of when, not if. Um, and those are definite things. I, I do, I do agree with that. I just, I, I find his decision making really frustrating against Leicester. Uh, there was a number of times when he, when he, he tried to get a shot away and, uh, and he, you know, he had better options around him. You know, Robertson on one occasion made a great run I'd said There was another, another option that he had for Manny or for Manny. Um, Manny and Firmino, um, both his options and then, you know, the, the four on two breakaway that really would have killed the game off. He tried to, it looked as though he tried to manufacture space for a shot and then tried to reverse pass the Milner, which didn't come off at all. There were the really, really good areas of the pitch. So that's still the click into place too. But all in all, there's really not loads to complain about. In my eyes, you know, Leicester being a case in point on, on Saturday, teams have had to work really, really, really hard against us to get beaten. And not really make any chances to score goals either. Be any negative at the minute because I think we are only going to get better. Well, certainly by the sounds of it, our, our throw-ins are going to get better. <laughs> but again, that's for that's for another podcast. Uh, uh, our next podcast, I think we'll we'll, we'll cover that. Uh, Neil, yourself, you know, obviously front three. Uh, well, we'll start with them really because because Dave's brought it up. For me, you know, Manny scoring goals, but. In between those goals, he's, he again, to me, you know, we've spoken about Salah and Firmino maybe not looking, you know, as sharp. I don't think, you know, while the pace and everything there is there with Manny, you know, between those goals, he hasn't looked his, you know, what, what he can be that explosive, spectacular. I think it's a very subdued start to the season. And, and it's what makes you so excited. You know, 12 points and we're really subdued. What are we going to be when we cut loose here? It's always a bit like that anyway. In the first few games of the season, I think all the August games always feel like an extended pre-season. I don't, and, and obviously this year it was even earlier. So, especially with players coming back after the World Cup, short and summer holidays, all, all the rest of it. It was bound to be, uh, inverted commas, an extended preseason and, and even more so this year. And, and so it's proved. So for us to get to the other side of it with 12 points, having not, you know, hit any kind of real form yet is great. Rightly said earlier, we didn't hit our stride at the beginning of the last season and we may have had a good. Was it the Watford draw was the first game last season? Yeah, three. 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 So, you know, we, um, we didn't have a great start. You know, it was a good game and all, but we threw away a lead a couple of times in that game. And then we had, uh, we had the 5-0, obviously from City. And obviously, I think the next back 
the international break, I think, is Spurs as well. And we get thumped by them. Or maybe it's a game late, game or two later. But, I mean, they all happen in the first first few games of the season. First sort of nine, ten games of the season. Um, this time, we've started. And, and the difference is as well, the way teams are, are approaching us is different. I mean, obviously, we had the rest of last season where we did eventually kick in or not even eventually I mean we, we we had our best period and I don't think it was any accident kind of around Christmas period around the, the real kind of meaty part of the season and, and you know there was a, a lot of talk that Klopp had basically targeted that part of the season because he'd been so kind of taken aback by it whenever he first came to the Premier League and, and hadn't really appreciated just quite how many games there were and how intense it was and how ridiculous it was uh, up to, uh, at a certain certain stage as well. So I think we'll kind of see the same again this year, but this time we have a, a bigger squad, uh, a stronger squad, a squad where look at our bench, it's great, and we still don't have a Fabinho on it just to come back in there as well. It bodes well, but we all expect it to. I mean, let's not let's not mince words. We all expect to be challenging for the title this year. And we'll all be massively disappointed, even though we have no real right to, to feel this. But we, we we will be massively disappointed if we're not challenging for the title come April and May next year. So um, so yeah, it is exciting, and I'm, I'm really happy that we've started so well because there is an expectation, and uh, rightly or wrongly, that expectation has been built because of the signing, because of because of what we saw last year, because of our Champions League run, because of the quality we know we in the way. As we mentioned at the beginning, everybody is pulling in the right direction and, and is on, you know, literally kind of together for once. It's the first time in, you know, God knows how long. Uh, as a Liverpool fan, that, that there, there are fans that aren't really, I mean, aside from one or two voices that will never be, be satisfied. Everyone's happy. Everyone's positive. So yeah, we need to, we need to be. It is exciting, but I'm, I'm glad we, we've, uh, We've started so well because had we slipped up at any point in this first four, you know, things would be kind of kicking ourselves a bit now and, and would be, you know, the atmosphere could be, could be quite different. Obviously, you mentioned the bench there, which is a, which is a huge thing, and, and it looks quality all round, even, as you say, without Fabinho on it. That will come in its own time. We know with the way uh, Klopp worked with Robertson last season. I don't think there's a Liverpool fan out there that's saying, oh, we should be on. You know, it's this sort of trust in Klopp sort of thing, and and we're in a, such a different place, Dave, you know what I mean? And then we move into the midfield and, and the difference that, that, that an Abbey Keita has made, and this kid, you know, I'd seen bits and pieces of him for for Leipzig, Dave, but I didn't realise he was just as as electric as he as what he is. And maybe it's it's the better quality of player around him, confidence of being in a new club, wanting to impress. I've been, I just think this kid's going to be very, very special. And what's more, took that number eight shirt like it was water off his duck's back. You know, it, it, nothing seems to phase him either. I, I'm I'm so excited to see what this kid's going to do for us. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? I think everybody's everybody is everybody's excited about about what sort of player he's, he's going to be. Um, you know, he's, he's at a great age. He's twenty three. He's only going to get better from here. I think the fact that that Mane's there has helped him helped him bed in really well. He seems to have struck up a good rapport with Sturridge. He's got the pace and the physicality for the league, and more than anything else, he's he's a ball carrier and and he can beat a man. 
And I think we, I think we struggled with that fact on, on Saturday that we didn't between Henderson, Wijnaldum and Milner. We didn't really have a ball carrier in the middle of the park. Yeah. And I think, I think we struggled with those three playing. Well, we always um, believed it was Emery. We always there. believed Emery was going to be that player for us and it never ever worked out for him. We didn't all believe that, Dave. Um, but that's a side point. Bitter. <laughs> I'm not bitter at all. I'm not bitter one bit. I'm not upset about it one bit either. Well, I must admit it. We we had a very cushioned landing in regards to the Emery's departure. It has to be said. Yeah, well, I, I was I was never Chan's biggest fan. So you know, if you're telling me that we're we're up a Kaida and a Fabinho and down a Chan, then I'm I'm, I'm happy enough with that. But I think you know, we play our best football when the likes of Oxley Chamberlain's in the side. We play our best attacking football when the likes of Oxley Chamberlain's in the side because he can carry the ball and he can commit men also. And Coutinho was able to do that for us. So when those three guys are playing, I think it limits us in an attacking sense. And maybe that was the plan. Maybe that was the plan against Leicester because they were going to play on the counter attack. Whatever it was. It worked from a defensive perspective. So maybe that was it. And you're absolutely right with the bench, you know, 15, 20 minutes to go and we're, we're 2-1 and we want to make sure that we see a game out. And who do you bring on? You bring on Shakiri and you bring on Naby Keita and you still get Daniel Sturridge and Adam Rolana sitting on the bench and Fabinho isn't even in the squad. And then I watched Spurs and Watford on Sunday and I saw them 2-1 down with 10 minutes to go and Pochettino turned to Fernando Urende, yeah. Ben Davis, like for like for Danny Rose and Harry Winks. So, you know, that in itself is a huge advantage on the likes of Spurs who are, you'd probably parallel Spurs with Liverpool. You'd probably, probably place Liverpool closer to any other team in the league they would be the team that you would identify with as these two teams are kind of compete, competing directly with each other for be it third, be it second place, whatever. And I think we've taken a giant step ahead of them in the oh, transfer absolutely. window. Massively. Absolutely, we have. Well, they took a step yeah, back, I think, Dave. I just, just on Spurs, while we're on them, just briefly, like, because I'm sure we won't spend long on them. I think this is the year the, the wheels fall off for them a little bit, like... I just think the combination of factors with the lack of activity in the transfer market, the move to a new stadium again, and the lack of any fucking pre-season. Sorry, I'm sure I can't swear. The lack of any pre-season for... Just the day trippers, you can do what you want, apparently. For any, <laughs> for any of them, like, you know, they, they all went balls deep into the World Cup, and none of them have had, and Sun's now been away at the Asian Games, none of them has had any any rest. The waves that fall off around January, around February... You know, the, yeah. For me, it's the lack of depth as well, Neil. They've got no depth. So they're relying. They're relying on if they if they get an injury to Harry That's Kane. You know, and not just if if, if see a Kane goes and um, a, a Vertonghen or an Alderweireld or whatever. An, an Ericsson would be the end of the world, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean they they are they're 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 treading a tight walking a tightrope, you know, really. And and I think this is the year it might give because it is it is sort of a it could be a. a sort of storm of, of factors. But we'll see. I mean, they started well enough, but they did get bullied by Watford in, in the second half. Like, and the Watford scored the likes of which I've seen us concede, you know, many times. And I've seen us be that Spurs side loads of times and particularly in the last fucking decade. Like, not anymore, it seems. And I think that's what you were, you were getting at, Dave. Fair play to Watford as well. Just while we're here, if we're talking about other teams, fair play to them because they've, they've had a brilliant opening to the season. Far away, Dave. Sorry for interrupting you. No, no, I, I agree with everything you said, but 
I don't think the wheels will necessarily fall off. I still think they'll finish in the top four, but I don't think they'll be, I don't think they'll be there, thereabouts. February with regards to the title challenge. I don't think they'll go deep into the Champions League. They'll be, they'll be Arsenal. They'll become Arsenal. They are, you know, what Arsenal were. Not, 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 not challenging, not being that relevant. Clinging on, hoping for for top four and pushing, putting putting all the eggs in the, in the top four basket this year. No, they put all their eggs in the stadium basket, and that's exactly what Tottenham are doing now. The long term benefit of it, Neil, is there. Yeah, There's no way about it. it. Well, well, hold on, hold on. Just see, just see, just for crack, Dave. Just see, just for crack, right? You say the long term benefits there, but that was what they said about Arsenal ten years ago as well. But Arsenal are only coming back now, Dave. It's the example I was going to use. Arsenal into the team they became was that the Emirates Stadium. They needed top four and they, that, and, and they could never invest any money in players and players and they stuck with Wenger because he would, he would deliver top four all the time consistently and he went along with them whenever, hoping that one day maybe he'd get their money back. I don't know how you're comparing Arsenal with, Arsenal had somewhere to fall from, Tottenham don't. Yeah, <laughs> for me, like not, not really when, uh, when, when, when Wenger kind of took over. I mean, but I'm, I'm sort of, I mean, I know what you mean, like Arsenal, Wenger won. won. Talking about stature, you know, if I if I think of Tottenham Hotspur and I think of, of Arsenal, I think of Arsenal as a, much, a team with much more stature. Of course. Uh, much of more course. reputation. Of course. Tottenham have never never really won anything. And But what I'm saying is, from a team that uh, everybody, the pundits like to talk about being the the, the great hope. They lost Spurs compared to Liverpool. They did not Spurs would... Be a, a genuine challenger, and that's why everyone's everyone's second team. Exactly, and uh, you know, even even the year that Leicester won it, and Tottenham ended up coming third. The media spoofed that Tottenham were having a title challenge until the last couple of weeks of the season, which was absolute bollocks. They were nowhere near. But what I'm saying is, they're not. This this is going to be a. I think they're going to top four, and I think they maybe get top four because there are a lot of sides that look. Dodgy this year. A lot of those top sides. Arsenal, I, I don't see. I don't know, don't know where they're, they're going. They're going to struggle to get top four. Tottenham, they're not going to be as good as they were last year for me. Um, and United, they're, they're a long way off. They're a long way off. I think there's, there's oh, don't even mention them, Neil. We're, we're trying to keep us a Liverpool pod. We don't need to go down that road. No, no, but <laughs> we'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> but that's, that's going to be an interesting one to see who's, I mean, I think, I really do think City and, and us are, we, we've taken it that next step and, and Chelsea look to have had a smooth transition as well. So they'll be up there. Yeah. And that one surprised me actually. But where, where are you with, with our midfield, Neil? You know, like I think it was against Palace, like Naby Keita was just, to me, otherworldly. And do do you feel that maybe that his style of play and it's, and it's something that we haven't had for a while that that dynamism uh, in midfield, that real box to box head down player, silky skills, beautiful passes outside of the boot, like effortless. Uh, do you think there's there's maybe just a little bit of time going to be needed there? You know, he looks fantastic. He looks like he fits with them. But I think there's still that just that little bit of adjustment that, 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 that's going on there. And and maybe why our front three, a contributory factor, why our front three aren't just fully firing. But possibly, I mean, there's bound to be a little bit of an adjustment uh, uh, period. But, I mean, he, he only played 20 minutes there at the weekend, didn't he? 25 minutes. You know, they were, our front three weren't, weren't firing... Um, before he came on, I think Salah actually came off when, when Naby Keita came on because it was a double substitution, wasn't it? And Salah was one of the ones that came off. Honestly, I, I don't think that we really need to make front three not firing in inverted commas. They've all scored. 
We've had four games. Salah's got two. Manny's got four. Uh, Firmino's got one and a couple of assists. And he's been on. So, the, so, so are people like me, Neil? Am I just way ahead of myself here? You cited the goals and whatnot, but I just feel that there's just so much more to come from the front three. Oh, I, I, I come, but you would hope that you would hope that after four games, though, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd be you'd be pretty disappointed if if front three had a great first four games and then that was that was the best they they did all season. I mean. They're feeling their way in. We've talked about the World Cup. We've talked about the fact that they play so much football these days. We talk about uh, the injury, Salah getting over. You know, we we know there are off-field issues there as well. I don't know how much that affects. But to be honest, I don't, I don't really think it's it's a thing. I mean, if we get another ten games in and and it it, it becomes a thing, then then fair enough. But. I wouldn't say it's an, an issue at the moment. I think it's just a matter of playing your way into the season. And I think it was very much also when you have the game set out like this and the season starting early and an international break right there and then you can see what the next block of games is. There was a huge temptation and I think a definite plan to see this first these first four as, as a blowing to get through them the best way you possibly could with you know as many points as possible. And, and that's what we've done. And now... After the international break, the work kind of begins in earnest. Well, I'll tell you, we'll, we'll move across to another midfielder, and you know, Klopp's been throwing rocky references at us, and James Milner, just as a rocky reference, he's like an old piece of steel, Dave. Uh, but I'll tell you what, he's he's, he's been standout in the, in the four games for me, and you know, we gave him when when he arrived at Liverpool, we talked about this pre-pod. You know, we were skeptical. We gave a bit of abuse towards him. You know, the money appeared to be, you know, the money, the wages and so on that were reported at the time seemed to be an awful lot of money. Today, it looks like the best money we ever spent. Yeah, I think Porto away last year, he really stood out for me. Like, I think it was a real, a real watershed moment for him playing in the middle of the park, and he just absolutely dominated that game. He should have been booked about six times and managed to get away with it. He was everywhere, and he has continued that form. Through, but like the West Ham, he was just, he, he was the best player on the pitch. Best player on the pitch. And there was a lot of talent on that pitch. You're talking, you know, last season's player of the year and last season's top goal scorer, Sadio Mane. You're talking, you know, countless number of players that, that went to the World Cup and went deep into the World Cup. And he was by far the best player on the pitch. And he's leading by example on and off the pitch. You, you, everyone's seen the, 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 he's even developed a sense of humor, Dave. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I think, you know, Go on uh, is the boring, the boring James Milner tag seems to be dying a death. Well, in all seriousness, you know, I don't know how much has been manufactured by the club or manufactured by his agent or whatever, but it has certainly helped in creating a new perspective that fans have on Milner in a, in a more positive light. And I think that's complemented his form off the pitch and uh, it's just increased it's kind of increased, I suppose, the respect that he's now getting for, for his form and his ability and probably, you know, probably his legacy as a footballer. Cause you'll, you'll probably look back on James Milner's career, James Milner's career. He'll have played God knows how many matches because he started playing, you know, top flight football when he was 16 for Leeds. Um, he's hardly ever injured. He's won, I don't know, he's won Premier League titles. He's won FA Cups. You can't um, break him in any way. You can cut him. You can do whatever you want with him. Well, just pick him and send him back out again. Yeah, you know, he's now played in Champions League finals. He's played God knows Champions League matches, England caps. His reputation is only going to is only going to grow from this point on. 
and rightly so. Uh, you know, you saw him step into the left back position, you know, two seasons ago, which he was much maligned for, and I'm not really quite sure sure why. I obviously he wasn't what we needed at left back, but as far as him as a footballer and how he equipped himself there, I thought was superb. That's an that's a player entering the twilight of his career who's played, you know, midfield most of his career. Who's just able to learn that and do that and and be, you know, if not what we needed going forward, certainly, you know, solid at the back. And it was all the more emphasized with Moreno's form that year. Klopp made a reference at the start of last season and stated that we did sign a new midfielder. We signed James Milner. He is a new midfielder. And people scoffed at that comment and people laughed at that comment, sneered. Sneered at it a bit, and that was a lot. But to you do can with, understand uh, back then, yeah, Dave. Yeah, that's, to me, that's fair play. Yeah, well, it was a lot to do with Milner's reputation at the time, and it just goes to show that the manager knows better than than we do. He absolutely does, and he's absolutely justified in making those comments. Absolutely justified. He's a leader on the pitch. He's a leader off the pitch, and to be honest, that's a relatively young squad. If you think about it. And I think someone with his experience and someone who probably has his respect in the changing room, both from the manager and from the players, is is vital to a team like that. Similar to the way Koro Toure did it in 13-14, but in a more stable manner. Yeah, Koro Toure without the crazy back passes. I mean, Miller's been great. Um, I think we well, we were chatting kind of pre-pod about the whole uh, turnaround or or the way. I mean, the reason why people were not that enamoured with the signing in in the first place. But you know, it was a it was all down to context at the time. Obviously, with the Rogers signing and being the manager, the, the whole transfer committee thing going on. A lot of people think also, Neil, there was a bit of it in there as well. He he didn't appear to be the signing that we needed. I think was at well, that moment. Point, in time. Like, I mean, everyone. When they looked at Miller and they thought a 31-year-old midfielder here, we're signing him. There was all that talk. We're signing him to play in central midfield. He's, he said that he stipulated he wants to play in central midfield. Everyone's saying he couldn't play there. Rodgers couldn't get a tune out of him there. When we played him there, and even when Klopp first utilised him in central midfield, where he, he, he did in his, in his first season here, everyone said, not just us, Plenty of people said on on plenty of shows, plenty of different platforms. Milner, we do, don't want to see James Milner in the, in the central midfield three again. We don't want to see him there. He doesn't have the legs for it anymore. He can't do it. But we no, said that left back as well, Neil. To be to, to be again, really fair again, and be brutal on ourselves, he went to left back. And to be honest, he was good there. He wasn't the most the best going forward, and and people did call for Moreno here and there and. It was a testament to, to what Klopp thought that Moreno got so few games that season and Milner stayed there. But now he's come back and it, it's, I don't know, the system tweak again or whatever it is, the way it works. I think it's just better quality around him. Better, and I really do think, you know, maybe as well. Brought him to another level. Yeah, it's a, also a factor. But we're, we're, we are, as I said earlier, we're, we're getting the best. It's the best he's ever played as a centre midfielder. But it's well documented he hadn't played much. In central midfield before coming to us, a brief spell there at, at Villa, you know, which was pretty early in the career. Never really played there for City. Was always utilised out wide or as a utility player. Never really played. I think he's found us. a home with us, Neil. I think that's the difference he, that he's at home at Liverpool. I, I don't think he's been at home since he left Leeds. Yeah, well, he seems to have, and you know, we all also were annoyed that uh, he was given the vice captaincy right at the start. Uh, we said, why are you giving it to him? He's only just joined the club, blah, blah, blah. 
and then he ended up being the captain for ages because Henderson was injured. And, you know, in a way, maybe that's helped. Maybe the fact that he was instantly kind of given responsibility and, and, and had to take it has helped with that. You know, obviously the fans appreciate him now a lot. And I think pretty much everyone's been won over by him. I mean, there'll be people who still moan, but he's, you're not going to drop him now. You know, he's vital club sees his, his, his qualities and it's not just on the ball or off the ball, it's also in, in, in terms of the grit, in terms of the work ethic, in terms of the reliability, you know, you know what you're going to get from him, whatever, and he, he's one of club's go-to players, like, there's no doubt about it, so, you know, you can't really ask for more, what is he now, 32? Getting on, but getting, not, not showing it, not really showing the signs, you know, it's, he seems to be you know, in a way fitter and, and, and stronger than he was when when he signed for us. So, Neil, Wijnaldum, we've we've hummed and had over him, but, you know, we've seen him at eight, we've seen him at six, and he's made a, a quite a good start to the season. I'd be, I've been impressed with him, to be honest with you. I think we might see a different uh, Wijnaldum this season. He's just, he's just a perfect squad player, isn't he? He's absolutely perfect. I mean, again, he's one of Klopp's go-to players, and... You pretty much know what you're going to get with him. Okay, he didn't have a great game against Leicester, but none of the midfield did. And I think Dave made a, a good, really good point earlier with with a lack of a, of somebody who could who could roam with the ball and gain us yards because we suffered for that uh, against Leicester. But Wijnaldum well, had a very good start of the season. I think he was man of the match against Brighton, um, and and it started every game, you know, and ever present where many kind of uh, had tipped him maybe to to be pushed out slightly with the new signings and maybe to be the one really having to fight for his place. And, of course, there will be rotation over the season and he'll be in and out, but he can play in, in any position. He's also lined up at centre-back for us, you know, over his, court, over his time under Klopp. He has the ability and the football brain and the tactical nous to just slot in, play number 10, He's, he's, I think he's even played as a striker in his career. He's definitely played the number ten. He can play out wide. He's played either the eight or the six for us most of the, most of the time, and he's played at centre back. The only position he hasn't done is keeper, pretty much at this point. So I mean, he's obviously that is the blueprint, and it's for a reason. You, you want players who are comfortable playing uh, in, a, in a multitude of positions and then being able to turn in a good performance in any of them. And he's, there, there are the, these games where where he. Goes missing in inverted commas here and there away from home and, and maybe that is fair comment from time to time, but there, for me, he's, he's been a very, very good signing and he, he just goes on to, to continue to step up when he needs to and he's done it again. Indeed. Well, well, listen, you know, we'll leave Henderson out of this because, uh, we'll be doing another podcast, uh, you know, we're, we're doing two to fill the international break here. So. I want to talk a wee bit more about Henderson on that pod and cover the, the, the new contract and everything that came out today. We were recording Tuesday. You know, I also want to talk about um, the fullbacks on that pod uh, and why the Premier League managers seem to think that they're a weak link. And I would like to sort of expand on that a little bit more. So, you know, we'll save that for, for pod two. Um, and, you know, Virgil van Dijk, we know. He didn't have a great game at the weekend, but, you know, that one, one in 50 is a bad game. Uh, and even when he does, he's not bad in any way. But it's, I think the thing that's caught the eye with the defence this season, it has to be Joe Gomez. Uh, you know, this, this kid has pace. He seems to have it. You know, we know that he had the injury problems. He had injuries from hell. But he seems to be the real deal. He seems to be the kid that might solve our Dejan Lovren problem, Dave. <laughs> 
Jay's hand off from problem. You guys are hilarious. Well, let's face it, he's been a problem. He's been a major <laughs> problem. Yeah, I know. I know he has. I know. Um, I, d- I, d- admit to me now, do you have trust issues with Dejan Lovren or not? Be honest. Listen, I do have trust issues with Dejan Lovren. <laughs> and I, I, listen, I have trust issues with Dejan Lovren. Still have nightmares about Spurs away last season. Can the fact that, the, that after that game, Probably he had a really good second half of the season. He had a good World Cup, but the fact remains that the likelihood is he's going to get games and he's going to get a lot of games because the manager likes him. And it's as simple as that. And he is another one of of Klopp's key men in the squad. You know him, Henderson, Wijnaldum, Milner, Firmino. You know these are the guys that are. And, and you know you would say you would say Van Dijk now as well. But these are the guys that, that they're fit and available, and, and if you think they're up to it, they're, they're generally getting in the team more often than not. That's aside. Gomez, I think the problem that's solved with Lovin more than anything else is the fact that tends to not be fit for a lot of the season. You know, Lovren probably misses 10, 12 games a season through injury, and that's just the league. So if you're someone like that who can eat, who can even cover for, for Lovren when he's not there, I think that's a massive, massive bonus and a massive improvement from last year from, you know, Clavin or Matup, who is also rarely fit. And the irony is that they all, those two always seem to be injured at the same time. Um, so, you know, I think he's had a really good start to the season. He's been really, really solid. I think because of how the game panned out on Saturday, I think that really highlighted how good that he's been. He's so quick. That block. The block was brilliant for so many reasons. I know he lets, I think it's Greg get inside him in the first place, but if you watch him to come across when Madison has the ball, he's not sprinting, he's, he's just jogging, he's just, he's just getting He's not himself. panicking, Dave, is no, what no, you're saying, he's no, totally no. in control. No, and I think, I think people talk about how, you know, maturity in the pitch, and I think sometimes it's a really hard thing to quantify, but that, that's the epitome of maturity in the pitch, where, you know, he, he, he waited, and found his position and gave himself, you know, a couple of options depending on what, what I think it was Madison who was striking the ball was going to do. And he times it absolutely perfectly. And whereas, you know, the potential, and I think you're right, Dave, for Lovren is to go, oh shit. And then he would charge across the pitch, um, and throw himself in the way of it and may or may not get there. And it's a, Different type. And then have a press conference and declare himself world class. And we know the story. We've heard it all before. He becomes Dejan yeah. Barese. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, but for me, I think that just showed, that just showed the maturity in this game. The confidence, the, the confidence the lad had when he, when he picked the ball up under a pass from Henderson that he should never have been given. Um, he beat a couple of men and just poked it back to him. I think, ironically, that's where their goal comes from, I think. But so good with the ball at his feet. And, you know, it's all been said. And how much of, you, of of Joe Gomez do you credit to Virgil Van Dijk? And we're, we're sort of brushing over him here, but talk about leaders on the pitch, leader of the. He never stops talking, Dave. And it's the one thing that I highlight with Virgil Van Dijk. He never stops talking at them, not to them, at them, and it's brilliant. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. Um, it's it's comforting to have someone beside you just. Just keeping you right. Just, just knowing that if you do, if you do make a mistake, the likelihood is it's not going to get to the point because you, you know, need you, I need you two yards closer to me. I need you to cover, cover this side or whatever. 
So having that confidence that there's someone there keeping you right just just relaxes relaxes you. And the other thing is, I think I think he feels like he's an environment. He's in an environment where he he can make a mistake, if that makes sense. For he doesn't doesn't feel so nervous about making a mistake that he ends up making mistakes. Where he knows he's got Van Dyke behind him to sweep up for him, like he did for Van Dyke on on Saturday. Um, and he knows if he makes a mistake that Van Dyke's going to be there. He knows he's got a quality goalkeeper behind him as well. And I think that just enables him to play his own game. But I think, as with the goalkeeper, and I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll speak about him, he needs to be, at this stage of his career, he needs to be allowed to fail from time to time. And us just to go, well, listen, this is inevitable. But surely he's the credit in the bank now, Dave, to carry that. You know what I mean? Certainly for me, would have, a, and I imagine from what I read on Twitter, from what I read in the press, I, I think the kid's got enough credit in the bank to carry a mistake now that it wouldn't be meltdown, if you know what I mean, like we're used to. You're right. But I think the thing is, we've, we've seen now, I think we're convinced almost. I think there's, I don't know, I don't know what you guys think, but I see a similar player to that of, of Ferdinand when he was at, when he was at Leeds. Where he's, you know, he's, he's quick over the, he's quick over the ground. He reads the game well. You know, he can pass the ball and he'll probably become known like Ferdinand is a ball playing center half and generally he'll occasionally pass the ball into the midfield. But I think there's still, but more so than anything else, just his, his level headedness on the pitch. And I think that's maybe why he's being rated so highly at the minute. And I think you're right. I think we've got a player there and, and if he doesn't make a mistake, we we can afford him that because we know that it's all part of the learning process and it's all part of him potentially being a Liverpool centre-half, a world-class centre-half from each 24, 25 until he's 30. Ideally, you know, in, in, in the dreamland where we all, where, where I live anyway. I just think, first up, I think it's, it's now Gomez's shirt and there's going to have to be something, something either he'll have to get, if he, if he comes back from international duty fit, and run fit. I think they start the, the game against Spurs. I don't think, you know, Lover, Lover and could come straight back in, uh, but I, I just don't think it would send the right message. It doesn't really seem to be how, how Klopp's operated in his time. It's generally being, you know, if you get your chance and you take it, then, then the shirt's yours to lose. And for me, uh, I would keep him in. Um, I think he's got the potential to be to me, as good as anyone, really. Every, there, there's nothing not to like about him at the moment. He's quick. He's reading the game well. He's reading the flight of the ball well. Uh, had been highlighted here and there for um, well, the odd time he played a, uh, at fullback. He'd had had an issue with that. Not at centre back. Neil, uh, do you think that do you think the fact that he's had those stints at left back and right back has has helped in any way? Well, probably. I mean, it's games in the first team, isn't it? It's it's getting used to the atmospheres. It's getting used to the the players you're you're playing around in a way, and and just getting used to to the whole setup of of being a first team player. Plus, I suppose you're getting the experience as a, as a fullback of of playing beside other centre backs and and maybe learning from the opposite, you know, from the opposite side what you want done. Getting experience that way, but I just think that. He's been given, he's been given a chance and he's, he's not tarnished by past mistakes. He's obviously a player who the crowd want to succeed. He's obviously a player who we didn't spend a load of money on and hasn't, doesn't, doesn't go around talking about being the best defender that's ever lived anytime he does anything great or good. 
Um, so, you know, there is that humility about him as well. Everyone wants him to succeed, and he isn't tarnished by past mistakes. And I think in a moment now, as has been touched on, you know, playing beside Van Dyke, I mean, obviously, we'll give um, Van Dyke a, a good bit of credit for, for helping I mean, there's no getting away from Lovren's upturning form coinciding with the arrival of Van Dyke. No getting away from that at all. Uh, he's a player who we spent a lot of money on and who we pay a lot of money on and who does go around blowing his own trumpet over things which, you know, others wouldn't. Or inexplicable, I think's the word you're looking yeah, so, for. So, you know, he has a certain lack of humility in that, in that sense. Yeah, but characters aside, you know, the point I'm really getting at is it's, um, it's a nice place to be playing centre back at the moment for Liverpool. It's a much nicer atmosphere to be playing in than it was a year and a half ago, two years ago, three years ago, going back. Lovren is tarnished with a lot of that. And, you know, that is why, rightly or wrongly, despite his upturning forms, everyone still has, has harbours doubts and they would be wrong. They've seen those, those, those things happen in the past manifest in front of their eyes. So Gomez is in a good place. He's been flawless pretty much in the first four games. He's playing beside probably the best, I would say the best centre-back in the league. Playing in front of a keeper that, you know, despite the mistake of the weekend, everybody now has real confidence in. And as we've touched on, you know, still commands, has has a, has a an air about him that is completely different to, to either Karius or, um, or Mignolet before him. So we've also got, you know, defenders in there like, like Trent and, and Robertson who are both, you know, in their young careers so far and, and everything there is positive. And, I, and that's really, it all just ties in together. Gomez is, 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 is a great, is having a great time at the moment and doing really well. And the sky's the limit for him. And it's the same for the rest of the team because without one to sound ridiculous, everything, there isn't a negative point about Liverpool at the moment. There isn't one thing that, that is not going well, touch wood, at the moment. So long may it continue. Well, listen, we're talking about things going well for people and then maybe not going so well. Our, our Probably our biggest outlay um, this season was a goalkeeper. And, you know, we, we spoke pre-pod and I said to you guys, you know, like you, you look at this guy and you look at Mingale and you look at Karius and, and you sort of look at Alisson and you go here, the, 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 you know, even how he carries himself is this is a goalkeeper. And you know my reservations have banged on about it long before he was ever uh, really in the frame for us and, and, and I worried. And, and these were the type of stupid brain farts that he displayed down here. Uh, there's no doubt in his talent. There's, there's no doubt in he's a talented goalkeeper. Um, you, you know, we saw... Uh, there's no two ways about it. It was a lovely piece of skill, but a very dangerous action that he took uh, in the Brighton game. And then at the weekend... A week later, you know, he comes out in the media, says, you might get used to it, this is what I'm going to play. And the very next game, you know, he breaks his perfect... Because he has been, he's looked brilliant, Neil. Uh, if we if we remove that mistake at the weekend, we, we don't have a problem with Allison. But the fact that it's there and the fact that, you know, for, for, for me especially, you guys know that I'm, I was really sceptical about him coming. Really sceptical at that price especially. What, what, have, what have you made of it? Well... 
Uh, yeah, I don't really want to say, you know, spend two, two months' time focusing on it. I mean, obviously it's, it's an error, but he was always going to make a mistake. At some point, he was always going to be robbed, and it probably won't be the only time that will happen this season. What he's given us is, is immeasurable. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you compare... Well, well, this is the thing. It's a balancing act, Neil. You know what I mean? I, I For once, I, I don't doubt. This is why, you know, I said, there's a goalkeeper. There's a, he's the real deal, but he, have we seen... Have we seen the end of this? Do you think, you know, Klopp came out after uh, after the first chip which came off. That wasn't cool. First time we've heard Klopp saying something was uncool. Uh, I can only imagine what he probably said to him in the dressing room at the weekend. He won't, he won't, be, he won't be happy with him. He'd, he'd tell him, you know, fine, we want you to play the ball, of course, but don't take unnecessary risks. You know, that we want to win. That is the reason you're here. And yet, we, we know you have all the talent in the world, big man, but, you know, use, use your head. You know, what, what heartened me very much was the performance after the mistake. There wasn't a hint of, of a nerve or, or that it affected him in any way. And he played excellently and we didn't concede another chance. As I think I mentioned earlier, Leicester had one shot. So yeah, wasn't, wasn't an issue. Keeper's going to make mistakes and whether he does it doing a cross turn or whether it goes through his hands. You know, or one one goes under him, or whatever. It happens, and it happens. It happens to the best of them. Happens to Schmeichel plenty of times. You know, and everyone goes on about him being the best ever goalkeeper in the Premier League, and and maybe rightly so. Who knows? But it happened to him, and it happens to all of them. It's happened to De Gea. Happened to De Gea in the World Cup. You know, everyone talks about him as as being basically immortal at the moment, the greatest goalkeeper that's ever lived. You know, he's just a very good goalkeeper at the moment, and it still happens to him. Lloris makes mistakes regularly, you know, and and people love him. Yeah, I've got no issue with it, to be honest. Uh, It didn't cost us points. It's good, better to get it out of the way when it doesn't cost us points. We it, it it had no real bearing on the game in the end. Um, so obviously you don't want to, want it to happen every week, but you want him to play with confidence and all the rest of it. And maybe use his head a bit more in in certain situations. But I'm not going to slate him for it, and I'm not going to have kittens over it. Listen, he's uh, he, he saved everything that he should have saved, and a couple that were a bit harder than that. We've conceded one goal that was absolutely his fault, but realistically. Neil's right, it was always going to happen, you know. Uh, that's, but that's, are, are we too excited over the, the couple of saves that he's made as well, Dave? Because that well, seems yeah, to be Yeah, I think, yeah, we've, we've blown it up like, a wee bit more. I think he, touches the, he touches the ball, he gets a standing ovation. <laughs> I think that's how desperate we've been for a goalkeeper. Yeah, I think I watched our old mate LK1 last night for, for Besiktas just... Just inexplicably. Solidarity, solidarity. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, honestly. Practice. Honestly, like, honestly, it's just like, it's just like he has, he had absolutely no awareness of what was going on around him. It was, uh, it was a crazy, crazy, it was. Um, it could be years before I, he recovers from that, Dave. That, that was a trauma for him. Yeah, There's no two ways about it, you know, know. And, and that was always my fear for it. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, I really do feel for the guy, but like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to have to go through that anymore. And I don't, I just feel with this goalkeeper that I'm not going to go through that. You know, he commands his area wonderfully. And I think, you know, his distribution is phenomenal. Like it's absolutely phenomenal. I think the, the I think the, the stats for the, from the the was it no it was the was it the pal or was it the West Ham game? Twenty three passes attempted and twenty one completed, and like eight of them were in the opposition half. Like that's mental. Like absolutely mental. And Klopp said after the game that you know he should be used as an option rather than a solution, which 
what I kind of took from it was that you shouldn't play around until you get closed down and think, oh, it's all right to do this because I've got your big man behind me who can beat three and, you know, kick the ball to Mane who's going to stick it in the net. Um, and more so that, you know, you involve him as part of the game to switch the play, um, but you shouldn't be relying on him for that. I know people have talked about the pass that he was given and that he wasn't given an option to pass blah, blah, blah. And that's fair. And that's all true. So see, when he realised that, he probably should have just fucking hoofed it into the fucking stand or kicked it up the pitch or whatever. Well, well, he had at least two opportunities to do it, Dave. And I think that that's not a beef I have, but that would be my criticism, if any of them. He did have ample opportunity just to put his laces through it and solve the problem. Yeah, well, the most concerning thing for me, Dave, was like, how bad was his Cruyff turn? It was absolutely terrible. No, it was a yeah, clusterfuck. It was a total clusterfuck. <laughs> Everything needs, was wrong with it. You see, yeah, you're right. He just needs to go away and practice his point. Yeah, don't try it. Like, don't try it. Why did they not let him train with Adam Olana? It was like, sort in a couple of minutes. Like it was like watching someone try to do a cross turn who'd never even seen the game of football before. It was absolutely mad. Regardless of how poor his Christ turning abilities are, it was still a stupid thing to even try and do. So yeah, Neil's right. If he does it now when we win, when we win 2-0 early on in the season, Grant, get it out of the road because I kind of, I kind of already resigned myself to the fact that this is going to happen at some point. In saying that, he didn't make a single mistake last season for Roma that resulted in a goal being scored. So, um, hopefully that is an anomaly. But I know that I've said that about goalkeepers before, and I know that's what you're going to say. No, no, I spoke to a guy, big Serie A watcher last night, and, and he's, you know, his, his view on it was, there was potential for that to happen plenty of times, and that, that, that's what I sort of took out of it. He got away with it, maybe, with Roma, whereas, you know, the pace of the Premier League seems to be that little bit more. You know, don't forget, it's, it's a completely different style of league that he's coming to, especially from Serie A. He's putting um, it down more. more exactly, people. and much, much faster, Neil, and I think that that maybe was a realisation for him. I'm hoping that that's a wake-up call. You saw what Cardiff did to check on, on Sunday. Cardiff pressed and pressed and pressed, checked it and didn't give him a chance to, to have any time at all to use his feet. And, you know, granted, he's, he's nowhere near as, as good with his feet as Allison is, but that's the kind of treatment that he's going to get after that mistake. That will invite players to, to press him even more so now on the ball. In a way, that's good, though. In a way, that can work to our advantage. I watched Ian Wright on, it was, he was on with Kelly Cates, and this was the preview of the game at the weekend. And basically, Wright called it to a T how he would play against Allison after what he what he watched in the Brighton game, and it was like it was like, it was like he had a bloody crystal ball. It was it, it ended up when the mistake happened. It's the first thing that came into my head, and he called it absolutely spot on, perfect. Yeah, but it was only one instance. I mean, never looked like happening at any other stage in the game. So if he hadn't tried the Croy turn at that point, if he just Tried to clear it, then, then Ian Wright. The turn, the right. turn, it wasn't a Christ turn. It, that, don't insult the man for Christ's yeah, sake. Christ. Christ. But, you know, in a way, it's all very well, you know, that, that they'll, they'll try and close us down. I'm sure they will. You're absolutely right. But, um, it, it could work to our advantage because that's, that's what we want in a way. You know, what we want is to be able to use Allison to take some of their players out of the game. And if they're mad pressing on him and he takes two players out of the game just by clipping one over the top, we're already. You know what I'm saying? At the the end of the day, yeah, they've seen that mistake and, and they will, a few will think, right, that's how we can get at them. But 
when they get pinged over the top the other way, that that will soon stop, and they'll have to think of another way. And, and that again, sort of just another just another way we could potentially turn a weakness a, a potential weakness into into a definite strength because. Essentially, that's that's really the whole point of having a ball playing goalkeeper, proper ball playing goalkeepers, to have an extra man, you know, to to make that extra man worthwhile in in taking other and uh, taking opponents out of the game. And um, you know, we've just got so many kind of potential weapons this year, so many potential ways that to hurt opposing teams. You mentioned the briefly the throwing thing at the start. We won't go that into that in, into detail, but. You know we're, we're we're strong defensively. We know we're strong. We're, we've got an extra, uh, a very deep squad now compared to what what we had last year. We've got a much more strength and depth. You know we're a big side now. We've we've got height. We've got strength and power. We're good from set pieces. We're good at defending set pieces. We've got a, a goalkeeper who can play like most midfielders can for 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 at least a, a mid table. Uh, club in the Premier League, you know, we've, we've just got strength everywhere in, in, in every department. So I feel that I don't see Allison's, you know, footwork as a weakness. I think that if he, if he had many of those occasions last season, we scouted him intensely and intensively last season and we've signed him and made it clear we wanted to sign him off the back of it. So don't think we have any problem. I don't think we've got any surprises. You know, it's certainly Klopp won't have any surprises coming. Isn't it lovely, like, that this, such a little problem is all we have going into an international break? Top of the league, unbeaten, maximum points, and we've nothing to whinge about, really. Exactly. Guys, I think we'll just leave it there. You know, we've, we've covered the squad and what we saw in the four games and so on. We've, we've got another pod to record this week and we can, as I say, we can cover more of the nuts and bolts stuff. Um, just before we go, run around a table, Twitter handles, where we can be found, blah, 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 nails, far away. I'm not going to ask you for work on anything because it's with history. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at nail1980. Yeah. You can follow me if you like. Uh, I might follow you back. And Dave, where do we find you? Although you probably don't want to be found. Yeah, I'm a terrible follower. I wouldn't even bother. I second that one. I second that one indeed. That's why I don't even bother putting mine out. But listen, thank you very much, guys, for your time. As I say, we'll be back again. We're doing another one uh, during this week. Uh, taking a bit of a look at Champions League draw. And as I say, some of the nuts and bolts, the Henderson contract. We will look at the fullbacks on it, um, have some different guys on as well. So look forward to that during the week. And uh, as I say, thank you very much to the listener for listening. We, we're going to be a regular feature on the, the, the Day Trippers channel from here on in. So hopefully we will enjoy your company with us. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us some feedback and, and follow us all up. Uh, so as I say, until the next one, which will be very soon, it just leaves me to say thanks one last time to the guys and yourselves. And it's good night. off your laptop we're on staycation i'm on totalwine.com they have so many rosés chardonnays and proseccos it feels like a real vacation wondrous selection helpful guides ridiculously low prices total wine and more
Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Sports Social Podcast Network.